uh, Acts chapter 12. It is a, a record of a church launching out uh, to start uh, a missions program. Uh, and so I would like to look at it uh, in application to what God has done uh, in our lives and, um, and uh, bringing us uh, into the ministry uh, in Portugal, but also as a challenge to you as a church to, to seek out what God wants of you um, and to trust that he is able to get you there. Um, so uh, Acts chapter 12, the, the importance of this church, and we're talking about the church in, in Antioch, and the importance of this church in Antioch um, is, uh, is relevant to us here in Lexing Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and it, it's relevant because Antioch was not a Jewish city. Uh, it was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. And uh, it, this, ch this, this church was an act of God. The start of the church at Antioch was an act of God. And it, caught, it even caught people by surprise how that church got started over there. Um, it was uh, so the case that the church in Jerusalem uh, sent Barnabas there to check it out. We need to find out what, what is going on. Because some people were, were even wondering at that time, can God save Gentiles? Uh, not even to, to, to mention the fact that can a church of Jesus Christ exist among Gentiles and run by Gentiles. And so there was this, this, uh, this, this amazement of what had happened in, in, in Antioch. And uh, Barnabas went there and he found, and he found out that uh, God had done it. And he, and he was so impressed by it that he, that he decided to stay there. And then, and then he, he, he remembered Paul. Paul had kind of been put on a shelf because people were afraid of Paul still. A lot of Christians, he had a, a, there were a lot of Christians that had embraced his conversion and all that, but many people were still, we just don't know because he was putting us in prison and he was torturing us and he was, and, and so they had, kind of sent him away, and you stay there for a while, Paul. But Barnabas thought of Paul, and, oh, it would be great to have Paul here in Antioch. So Barnabas sent for, uh, for Paul, and, they, and then they ministered in that, in that church. Um, so all of this proves that the, the, the local church concept is a universal concept. A local church makes as much sense in Lexington, Kentucky, as it did in first century Jerusalem. It, 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 the, uh, we can start churches in a country like Portugal. Uh, we can see it happen, and God has been doing it to our own amazement. Um, and so... Um, I also would like to uh, say this again. The start of the church in Antioch was very obviously an act of God. 
And actually, that should be the way any church gets started. And that should be the way any church continues. It should be by the power of God, through the power of God. It should be seeking the Lord. It should be trusting the Lord. The Christian life is, and is supposed to be, and should be, the life of faith. Amen. So let's, let's read just, just uh, the first few verses in, uh, in Acts, tw- uh, Acts 13, that is. I keep trying to go to Acts 12. Acts 13. And says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and um, Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, and so on, and so on. So I would like to say this, the power of God is always at work, and can be clearly seen in the fact that He uses weak vessels to produce His great redemptive work. God uses weak instruments can we all agree that we are that? Can, can we all agree here this morning that we fail? That we're nothing apart from Him? That we get into trouble often if our eyes uh, get away from Him? Can we agree with that? Yeah. That we're not better than other people? Can we agree? Yeah. Apart from Him? That it has to be, if anything worthwhile is to come out of us, it has to be His working in us. It has to be His life through us. And then when He works, using these um, instruments that the world just thinks are worthless, then He gets to have all the glory then I I should ask, do we believe that God is at work? Do we believe this? Do we believe that God can work in us? And do we believe that God can work through us? Because when we don't, when we don't believe this, then we start trying to come up with our own versions of what is God and what is the power of God and what is the work of God, then we, we start to redefine all kinds of things when we stop believing that He can, that it is His work. Now, going, through, going to our passage, the first verse we have, um, Pastor, I forgot, you said you will usually, okay. The first verse, we have a, a list, that's what it is, it's a list of names, and the Holy Spirit gives us some of the members of this church. That's what it is. Um, and, um, and it's interesting, the names that we have here, because we, have, we don't have just the names, we have the names, and we have where they were from. Because 
and, or, or we know that to be a fact. We have Barnabas. We know he was from the island of Cyprus, right? Remember? We have Simeon. The fact that, th that th the Bible also tells us that he was called Niger, this places his origin in North Africa somewhere. We have Lucius of Cyrene. This is where the country of Libya is today. Then we have uh, Manaean. Are you still away? Are you still with me? Yeah? If you f f feel yourself going to sleep, let me know. Just raise your arm, and I'll do something up here. I'll, uh, uh, just to... Oh, okay, okay. I can do this. Okay. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll figure stuff to do. That's fine. I just, I just need you with me. Uh, are you with me? Okay. Then we have Manaean. About Manaean, we, we read that he was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, the king. He was brought up with Herod. So Manaean, we have no idea. We, we don't know how he ended up all the way in Antioch. We don't know. But Manaean would be somebody that today we call blue blood. Uh, he was royalty, probably, because he was brought up with royalty. And then we have Saul. Saul was, by birth, a Roman citizen, and we know this as well. What a weird bunch of people. Just brought together. Just different people. And this is fantastic that we have this mentioned here. Because the strength of the New Testament church is, in fact, its diversity. The first century church was actually known for this. In the first century church, and, and the world looked in and they didn't understand what was going on because you had slaves and their masters, members in equal standing in the same church. You had Jews and Gentiles together in the same church, equal. And I don't want to offend anybody, but it was even weird that there was men men and women as members in equal standing in these, in these churches of Jesus Christ. It was crazy. And that's good. See, the local church is an unlikely union that only makes sense in Christ. Christ gives sense to the local church. And so I would venture out, I would go out on a limb. Is that an expression that Americans use? Okay, I'm still learning this language. I would go out on a limb, and I would say that there's different people here today, different from each other. Are there different professions? I know that there are different uh, ages, and everyone here gathered together to listen to a Portuguese guy speak. This is crazy. It's crazy, I say. And so today you have a movement of, of trying to, to have churches that are specific. It's anti-biblical, it's anti-New Testament, but you're trying to have churches that are just for bikers. And churches that are just for uh, young people. There are churches that are made in a way that only young people feel comfortable there. 
There are churches that are just for one particular language. There are even some churches, um, I hope I don't offend anybody, but there are some churches that are just in the way they're organized that only older people feel comfortable there. That's not the plan. The church is to always be a, 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 a crazy bunch of people grouped together in a way that makes no worldly sense but they're together as they look to Christ. Christ gives identity to His church. Not anything else. So a church is not to be organized around political choices or preferences. Or any other choice or preference. The church should be gathered around the person and the message of Christ. Even if, even if the, the assembly doesn't, doesn't make no, no sense, that's good. Now, it's, it's, I know and it's dangerous because the minute the church, if the church is, is, is a, a group of people that are very different from each other, the minute they take their eyes off of Christ, they're in trouble. Yeah. And that's why churches... churches um, uh, strife, and that, that's why churches divide, because they took their eyes off Christ. Because a, 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 a church has in its, in its membership all the necessary ingredients for division. Our eyes need to be in Christ. He gives, He makes the church relevant. He makes the church make sense. So we are not to organize around things that make sense. God does not, we cannot put God in a box. The minute we're able to make sense out of God, He ceases to be God. God does not operate uh, uh, along the lines of what makes sense to us. And I'm glad He doesn't. I, I grew up on an, on an island that if you look, the, the island is so small that in a map this scale, it doesn't even show on the map. But I grew up on a Portuguese island that would be around, about here. Here. It's a two-hour flight from mainland Portugal, and the island I grew up in has 10,000 people and 20,000 cows. It's called St. George Island, and the, there's nine islands out there, way out in the, on the ocean. And it's called the Azores. Anybody here has ever heard of the Azores? Okay. Many people haven't. Well, it's not on your map. It's tiny. 10,000 people and 20,000 cows. That's the official population of that island. To this day, there's no gospel-preaching church on that, on that island. In the country of Portugal, the whole of Portugal, which is about the size of the state of Maine, it's this, it's this corner over here, the whole of Portugal has 11 million people. Less than 1% are born-again Christian believers. As we stand here this morning, Portugal is a wide open country that, that, uh, that is unreached as we speak. And so it's exciting that, that your church here has decided to do something about that. That's exciting. And you are involved and you are part of what the Lord is doing in, in Portugal. And I would like to encourage you in that. But I grew up on this island. 
And I was, my parents were from these islands over here. My mom was from one island, my, my dad was from another. And then many people from the, from the Azores immigrate to the, the United States or Canada. Many people from the Azores are either, are either in Massachusetts, Rhode Island area, uh, San Jose, San Francisco, California area, go figure, or Toronto area. And so my parents met and got married in, in, near Toronto in Oakville, Ontario, and I was born there. And then when I was four years old, we moved back to the Azores, and that's where I grew up. And I always give my testimony, I'm going to give you the, the, the abbreviated version today, but before we left Canada, somebody gave my, my mother a Portuguese language Bible that wasn't Roman Catholic. My, we, we were Roman Catholics, but somebody gave my mom a Bible that wasn't Roman Catholic. And uh, my mom kept the Bible. She was afraid of that Bible. But she kept it because she couldn't throw it away because it was a Bible. But she didn't want anything to do with it. So when, when, when we got to the island, my mom put it on top of the wardrobe and it stayed there for years. And one, one time when I was about eight years old, I was exploring and I found that Bible. And I had heard of the Bible, but I had never seen a Bible. That was an exciting time for me. I enjoyed reading and all that, and so I cleaned the cover, and I started reading the Bible. My mom caught me reading the Bible, and she was, she was, she was afraid. She took it from me, and she took it to the village priest so that the priest could tell her if it was okay for her son to be reading that Bible. And the priest uh, kept the Bible for a while and then returned it to my mom, and he had, from Genesis to Revelation, on some pages with a pencil, he had marked on the page number. And he, he told my mom, uh, your son can read this book, just don't let him read the marked pages. There were marked pages all over the Bible. My mom brought the Bible home and she explained the rules to me. And of course, the first pages I went and read were the marked pages. <laughs> That's just human nature. And in just a little bit of time, I had read all of the Old Testament and most of the New Testament. And, um, and what that did for me, those, the, that time of Bible reading, took a few years. But what that did for me was that helped establish the Bible as the authority in my mind. So if I could see it in the Bible, I was ready to believe it. Then when I was 12 years old, are you still with me? All of this will tie to, to what we're talking about in, in, in Acts. When I was 12 years old, an American missionary came to that island. That's crazy stuff. And he used that Bible to share the gospel with me. And then one night, alone in my bedroom... I was 13 years old. I knelt by the, by the side of the bed and I trusted that Jesus was sufficient to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. I hope you, I hope you trust in Christ this way. That night, God saved me. He changed me. He redeemed me. 
I was born again into the family of God. A miracle. And then the missionaries left the island, and uh, soon after that, they came to the States, and, uh, and uh, they never went back to that island. And in, 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 human, uh, uh, in human terms, their ministry was a failure. There was no church left on the island. Actually, when you study missions, you, they, they tell people, you need to go to the big cities. That's where the people are. And you need to do missions in the big cities. And then eventually the gospel will get to the small places. Well, I say something needs to be said for, for God calling people. Amen. And people being seeking the will of God. And trusting in God. And knowing that maybe God will whisper something in their, in their, in their, in their soul that just makes no sense. And they will go, God, this makes no sense. But I know it's from you. And I will trust you. A lot of people feel this way about God calling them. In verse 2, if you want to go there, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. The, 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 the calling of missionaries this, this, for this first missionary journey, nothing like this had ever been done. They were not putting in practice a model that they had read somewhere. It had never been done. It was crazy. And the Holy Spirit called the whole church to send those two missionaries. And I can only imagine being part of that church and thinking, God... Barnabas and Paul? Um, couldn't you send um, Simeon and Lucius? We kind of need Barnabas and Saul. Get it? God, maybe you made a mistake, and I'm here to help you out, God. Because really, what makes sense, God is for you to send um, Manayan. Because a great work is going on here and we actually need Barnabas and Saul. Get it? So sometimes the calling of God upon you and your life, and it could be about anything. It could be about... Uh, um, I really feel that God would have me read my Bible in the morning. And for that to happen, I need to get up 20 minutes earlier. And it's like, what? I already get up so early as it is. Maybe God made a mistake. It can't be. But deep in your heart and soul, you know that God is calling you. It could be something as simple as, as that, or it can be something as, man, there's a great need over there in Portugal. And maybe God is calling me to at least pray about it. Me? 
What can I do? Sometimes a calling of God will, will sound like craziness, but, but we need to understand that he, he is, He calls, and He is powerful to get you there. I, I don't usually tell the, the last bit of my, my testimony, but I will, I will today. Uh, in... Um, In, uh, in 2008, my wife and I were able to, we were in the um, Massachusetts area, and we had some, a few, uh, uh, some free days, and we decided, let's drive up to Canada, to the city where I was born. I still have uncles and aunts and cousins there, and we'll, we'll visit family, and we'll spend some time there. I had never been back, uh, so I left when I was four years old. And... Um, Before we got there, my aunt that lives there, she looked up on the phone book a Portuguese-speaking uh, Baptist church, because there's a lot of Portuguese in that little town of Oakville, Ontario. And she found the church, and she called the pastor, and she's, she's not a believer, but she, she talked to the pastor, and she said, my nephew is coming, I'm very proud of him, he is a pastor, are you interested? She had no idea uh, how things worked or anything. She was just, she was just super happy that we were coming. <laughs> and, uh, and so when I got there, the pastor uh, called me. And he said, and we talked a little bit, and we actually knew some people in common in Portugal. Weird story. And he said, would you preach this Sunday? And so I accepted. I've, I invited family members, and I had 12 unbelieving family members in church that Sunday that heard the gospel. And um, that was a fantastic day. The Lord is just so generous with his blessings. There was this older lady that um, she heard my name uh, announced ahead of time, and she came. She's a, she, 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 she a member of that church And she was also a close friend to my mom. My mom had passed away four years earlier. And that lady came to the service with baby pictures of me. <laughs> And she was just out of the moon that Nydia's son was now a preacher. And then I gave my testimony. The same story about the Bible. That Bible that I just told you. And a, an old retired missionary was sitting in the back row. And he got up and he said, it was me. I gave that Bible to your mom. What? <laughs> so if you were not following, let me, let me, let me summarize. A Brazilian missionary gave my Portuguese mother in Canada the Bible, which an American missionary used to lead me to the Lord in Portugal. God is amazing. God is at work. And so to see, there, there's this great calling of God upon this church in verse 2. And again, uh, to me this strikes me in verse 2, is how God called those missionaries... But actually, the calling was, was to the church. Sometimes God calls some missionaries, and they, they say, hey, God is calling me to be a missionary. And the whole church is what? Uh, 
if, if only you see it, you better pray about it some more. It's supposed to be the, the church working and, and sending and supporting. And, and God, God wants to use His church. And so, and so in verse 3, what we see is this church organizing to obey God in this radical new way. It says, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. By, by the way, this church in Antioch was a praying church. In verse 2, we read, As they, as they ministered and fasted. They were busy in ministry, but they were also busy in prayer. Their busyness in ministry did not stop them from seeking the will of God continuously. This is important. Because that's what fasted mean here. Fasting is you're going to not eat for a meal or several in order to dedicate that amount of time to seeking the Lord about something. That's what fasting is. If I'm going to skip a meal, it's going to be about something important. <laughs> they thought it was important to seek what God wanted of them. They didn't want the, the, their work, their ministry, to, to be about what they could do. They wanted their ministry to be a, a, about what God was doing. And in verse 3, they organized to, to do just that. It said that they fasted and prayed then over these missionaries, they, lay, they laid their hands on them, uh, fully identifying with what they would do next. And then they sent them away. And this, this expression, sending them away, has the idea of sending them with the means for at least the first leg of the journey. They sent them away. And so when they, when they, when they went, they went forth they, 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 they went by the, Holy, by the Holy Ghost. Brethren, we're going we're gonna to stop here uh, uh, today, but, but, um, but I do want to encourage you in what, in what you do for missions. If there's anybody here in this room this morning that believes in missions, it's me. God used churches like yours to support the missionary that came all the way to that piece of rock in the middle of the ocean so that I could hear about the gospel that saved my soul. People, it works. It's crazy how your involvement in the missions program all the way over here, it's crazy how, the, 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 how that can make a difference but brethren, I want to encourage you, it does. I want to encourage you in your missions program, in your missions giving. I know that's what missionaries do, but I tell you, as crazy as it sounds, it works. God is at work, and we can be a part of what God is doing. Thank you, Pastor.